This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, hello, friends. It's me, Lindsay, your local late-blooming lesbian. I am here to continue the conversation around my toxic relationship that went on for two and a half years that I finally left just a few months ago and that I am continuing to heal from. This episode, I'm going to talk about the devaluation phase that tends to occur during the relationship with a narcissist. As I said in my last episode called Love Bombing, The start of a relationship with a narcissist is incredible. You are on cloud nine, you're feeling good, all your needs are met, you're happier than you've ever been. You're thinking you've waited your whole life for this person and they came out of nowhere, everything fell into place perfectly just as it needed to for you to finally have your perfect partner. You are treated like royalty. All your needs are met. In my case, I have a son. All of his needs were met. Um, This person came along and just fell into the role of parent for my son, perfect partner for me, and everything was just golden. Or so I thought. That golden phase, if I'm completely honest with myself, only lasted a couple of weeks. Within those first few weeks, there were a lot of red flags, which I completely ignored because I was so infatuated or what I thought was in love. I'm not going to talk about the red flags that I ignored until another episode, which I will just focus on the red flags. Uh, For now, we are going to get into what is called devaluation. Remember that I am not an expert, I'm not a therapist, I have done a lot of research, but again, please take everything that I say with a grain of salt because I'm only speaking from my experience with one person um, and just from what I've learned from the experts. I can remember the day things changed like it was yesterday. Like I said, we went from being together all the time, being pretty happy, uh, being on the same page about how often to spend time together, how often to have sex, etc. I remember one night when I put my son to sleep and, well, I wanted to have sex and my partner became very angry. Up until that point, They had been happy to comply and meet my needs and, like I said, were all about me. Um, And then this one night, things changed so greatly that, like I said, it's so ingrained in my memory. I remember thinking, oh no, not this again, because 
my marriage also had a great imbalance of preference and need and um, things like that. And I remember approaching my partner and asking, you know, what's changed? Why, um, why is this happening? Why are you so agitated that I want something that you don't want? Why can't we just try again tomorrow? And I was made to feel like I wanted too much from them. I expected too much that it was unreasonable for me to think that they would want to have sex with me despite having been able to do it up until that point. And like I said, this was within the first three months, probably even within the first two months of being with my partner. Now, at that time, I was already hooked. I was addicted to this person. Obviously, I didn't know that at the time, but instead of pulling back, um, trying to find a healthier approach to the relationship or saying, look, this isn't going to work for me. Obviously, not just the fact that they didn't want to have sex, but the way they were treating me, the way that they were approaching the situation um, from a very defensive standpoint and unable to communicate in a healthy way. None of those things came off as red flags for me because, like I said, I was hooked and all I saw was, oh no, I've done something wrong. I need to do whatever I can do to keep this person happy. Now, the sudden withdrawal and defensiveness around sex for me was, like I said, the turning point uh, for when my narcissist went from love bombing to the devaluation phase, which is, of course, the topic of this episode. There are many ways that a narcissist can devalue a partner. I will say from my experience what that looked like. During this phase, the gaslighting began. The manipulating began. There was a lot of complaining about what I did and didn't do, how I looked, how I dressed, how I acted. And that continued to happen over the course of the next two years. Basically, what happens is that a narcissist will pull back, devalue you, um, and I will in a moment, talk about the different ways that a narcissist can devalue someone. And then when they see you start to doubt them, start to doubt the relationship, start to pull away, they will hoover you. Um, And I will most likely do an entire episode on hoovering as I have experienced a lot of that, obviously unbeknownst to me at the time. Okay, one of the ways that a narcissist can devalue someone is through projection. I'm starting with this one because it was a very common occurrence in my relationship. It happened almost daily, and it took me a very long time to realize what was going on and just how bad it was. Obviously, there are a lot of people in this world who struggle to accept blame or critiques or any kind of feedback, and some of that is normal. 
Some of that is human nature. And like I said, I'm not a therapist. I'm not an expert. I don't know where to draw the line between normal and not normal, but I can definitely tell you that having a partner who for years on end refuses to take blame unless it serves them well to do so and consistently finds ways to put the blame on their partner. If I were to approach my partner and say, hey, I have this need that is being unmet I'm just wondering if we can come up with a way to talk about how this need can be met. What are some options? Is this something we can talk about in therapy? Most of the time, my narcissist would become very defensive and turn it back around on me. For the first part of that, uh, turning it back on the victim, they obviously make it seem like you are needy, that you are too much, you're asking too much of them, possibly that you're crazy, that you are thinking or feeling things that aren't reality. It puts you in a place of feeling like you are putting too many demands on the relationship, and of course the poor narcissist is doing everything that they can to try to keep you happy, but it's just not possible to do so because you are just over-the-top needy. The second thing that happens with projection um, on top of making you feel like you're over-the-top needy is that the narcissist will absolutely be refusing to accept that they have made a mistake, that they're not perfect, and that they could have Um, done anything to cause you any kind of negative feeling. This is obviously done because they're usually very insecure and want to come off as this perfect individual, which very clearly they are not. Next, we have stonewalling. This is another one that took me uh, well over a year to figure out uh, what was happening It is when you are having a conversation with someone and for me, in my experience, usually out of the blue, I would say something that my narcissist didn't want to hear and they would storm off, leave the room, slam the door, possibly leave the house, pick up a book, put their face in the book and pretend to be reading and make it very clear that they were choosing to ignore me. Not listening when you're talking, like I said, just making it very obvious that what you have to say is no longer important to them and will no longer be received. And oftentimes the stonewalling can last for hours. It can last for days. It could be a few minutes. Like for example, if they are bluffing and you figure it out, so you say, okay, I'm just going to give you space and start to walk away then they'll probably start to interact with you again. Stonewalling, um, even talking about it right now, it's, it's very difficult because people just want to be heard, right? You just want to be heard. You want your partner to hear and understand what you have to say and to have them just completely shut you out out of the blue is, is very painful. I've just thought of another uh, example is when you're on the phone with them and they hang up on you. 
or um, my narcissist often would say, I'm done. I'm done with this conversation. I'm done with you. I'm done. Um, so that is my experience with stonewalling. Next, we have minimizing or maximizing. I often experienced the minimizing of my emotions. I would often use the word invalidating. I feel invalidated or you're not validating my emotions right now. I would usually bring up something that I was feeling. Maybe I would say, you know, it really hurt me when this happened or it really bothers me when X, Y, Z And my narcissist would say, it's not that bad. You're overreacting. You're too sensitive. Mm, You know that in other relationships, you know, people don't complain about their partner doing this thing. Or my ex-girlfriend's XYZ. Just another tactic to make you feel like you're crazy and you feel too much. Broken promises is another form of devaluation. Oftentimes, the narcissist will see you unhappy, um, see you starting to kind of think of other options and ways to regain your happiness, and they'll make you empty promises. My narcissist would often promise, for example, to do a certain activity with me and my son on the weekend. Oh, this weekend, let's go do this. Or, hey, let's go on a trip. Hey, Um, even with like, oh, we're going to, you know, in therapy, we're going to figure this out. Everything's going to get better. You know, different things, basically promising you a better life, a better world, a better experience with them. But then they almost never comply. They might comply or follow through with their promises once in a while just to keep you on your toes and keep you thinking, Well, they did follow through with their word this one time when in reality, most of the time, Saturday rolls around and that hike they promised you is definitely not happening. Next, we have gaslighting. This is another one that's very difficult for me to talk about. Gaslighting is one of the biggest ways to make someone feel crazy. In the same conversation, a narcissist can say something like, you'll never be happy with anyone. And then the conversation continues and you ask for clarification and you ask them why they said that and you ask them, you know, whatever might come up and they look you in the eyes and they say, I never said that. I didn't say that. You heard me wrong. You misunderstood me. You put words in my mouth. These are just... Again, tactics to make you question your reality, to make you feel crazy. Um, yeah, this is very difficult to talk about. It's um, it's a lot of you're you're crazy. You're you're not understanding me. Um, you're making this up. This isn't a big deal. Those kinds of things. Um, and again. The whole goal is to make you feel crazy and to make you think that they understand more than you do. The last thing I'm going to talk about in this episode, as this is very difficult to talk about, (laughs) is passive aggressiveness. Again, obviously, 
pretty much anyone could get passive aggressive here and there, but it was such a common occurrence with my narcissist that again, it's not something you really want to be around. In my experience, very early on, and again, this continued throughout the relationship, there were a lot of snarky, backhanded comments and critiques that I received from them. They would come home and they would critique the state of the house. Now, again, I have a toddler. He's a very busy boy. Most of the time when you have a kid, you're not going to come home to a perfectly clean house and a home-cooked meal. They would say, oh, I just thought you'd cook tonight since you were home, or why are his toys everywhere? Why have you left this in this place when you know it doesn't belong here? They they know your weaknesses. I'm going to call them weaknesses. They know what you struggle with in terms of keeping the house clean, in terms of organization, in terms of whatever it may be, and they continually critique you for those things. Another thing that I received was a lot of comments about my parenting or lack of parenting skills, all the ways that I should be doing things differently, obviously doing them the way that my narcissist would have done. They would critique my son, the way he acted, the way he ate or didn't eat, the way he asked for help or didn't ask for help, how much time he spent with us at home. Um, a lot of critique against my son's father. Oh, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. He did this. He did that. Just a lot of complaining and critiquing and passive aggressiveness across the board. There were also a lot of passive aggressive comments about my looks, the way I dress, the way I carry myself, the way we had sex, the way they would have preferred me to be. And the whole point of all of this behavior, the gaslighting, the passive aggressiveness, the projection, all of those things are done to, like I said, make you feel crazy, make you feel less than, make you feel small and insignificant and also addicted to the narcissist because they're not always going to be doing that behavior. They're going to behave that way, and then turn around and be sweet and kind and promising you things and promising to change and get better, leaving you confused but hopeful and also downright feeling crappy. I'm absolutely not going to lie about that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode Uh, That was kind of exhausting to talk about, and I'm sure anyone listening who has been in this boat is going to feel exhausted at the end of this episode. So I'm going to go drink some water, do a little bit of self-care to recover from all of that, and I hope that you will do the same. Thank you for listening. If you're here, I'm so thankful for you, and I am so hopeful that you will be able to get out and have a better life once you are out. I am here to support you and I look forward to sharing more with you. Again, I hope that this was helpful and I will talk at you again soon.